Greetings and salutations, everyone. Thank you for joining my podcast for yet another edition of Break the Lunatic Rants. Yay! And now for the legal mumble jumbo. This podcast is based entirely on Frank's own personal opinions and is in no way, shape, or form the opinions or representation of any fire, police, EMS organizations, which he is currently or previously associated or affiliated with. The views expressed in this podcast are entirely his own and do not reflect the views of any aforementioned organization. Please note, the names may have been changed to protect the innocent, the stupid, and the brain dead. Hey there, hi there, ho there everyone, welcome to another wonderfully fantastic, educational, informative, and debatable edition of Frank the Lunatic Rants. Tonight's topic of discussion is going to be electric cars, the pros and cons of them. From the wonderful remote fuck if I know anything studios located in wonderful downtown Lake Ariel, Pennsylvania. It is yet another wonderful edition of Frank the Lunatic Rants. Greetings and salutations, everyone. I am your congenial host, Frank the Lunatic, here for yet another wonderfully delightful, educational, informative, debatable, and what the hell is he talking about edition of Frank the Lunatic Rants. And of course, tonight's topic of discussion as previously mentioned, is electric cars, the pros and cons. Now, of course, a lot of you know I've been talking on and off for quite a while about uh, electric cars. Of course, I am not one of the biggest supporters of electric vehicles. Also, I'm not a very big supporter of the automotive industry as it currently is. There's a lot of things that I've said about electric cars over past several months, whether it's on my YouTube channel or here on my podcast. There is just quite a bit of debate regarding electric cars. And of course, I have my opinions, and I'm sure you have your opinions as well in regards to them. And as we all know, electric vehicles are starting to become more and more commonplace for those that can actually afford the outrageous price tags of some of these vehicles. For example, Teslas, um, vehicles that are designed only for people that really have the money to afford the payments on them. And and of course, out there in the world, manufacturers have been slowly introducing uh, more impressive battery-powered alternatives to compete with uh, traditional gas and diesel-powered cars. But of course, at what expense? I need mean, these technologies, of course, come at a major price, of course, to the consumer and to the environment as well. And 
the one major thing in regards to the environment is something that just does not get discussed much. None of the major manufacturers or even some of the other manufacturers like Tesla have even talked about or discussed the environmental impacts in regards to the manufacturing of electric vehicles and what happens to these electric vehicles over time when they age, when they rot, when they're no longer can be used, when they're destroyed in an accident. Nobody out there in the industry at all, and in our federal government as well, has discussed or given any type of decent proposals regarding how do we handle this? How, how do we tackle the, the whole thing with cars when they're no longer functional? It, it's a normal fact of life since we've started manufacturing automobiles over 100 years ago, the fact that there is a lifespan. And the one thing that is concerning, you know, when it comes to a regular gas or diesel-powered automobile, there tends to be a, called a rule of thumb, in the industry, um, there is, whether you're a mechanic or not, people know that there is a certain life expectancy on certain parts and components on normal, traditional diesel and gas-powered cars. Starters are only good for so long. Alternators are only good for so long. The steering system is only good for so long. Just like suspension, we're all familiar with suspension parts going, you know, tires, things like that. And of course, electric vehicles, you know, tires are going to go on them. You know, there are component issues in regards to suspension, especially given the fact that electric vehicles are actually heavier than a lot of gas-powered paired vehicles due to the fact that the battery systems weigh so much. So these suspension systems on there are slightly different. Well, my question is, how long do these components last? There's no actual data out there, any type of test data out there. You know, when you go start looking things up, Tesla and some of these electric cars, they're like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. You know, the batteries are good for so long. Okay, well, what about the electric motors? Whether it's individual motors for each wheel, whether it is two separate motors for the axles, what is their longevity? What is the tested longevity of these components? How long can somebody expect these components to last? And even better, how expensive are these components to replace? You know, look at a transmission, for example, how expensive it is to replace a transmission on a vehicle. You know, you may spend two or three thousand dollars. Okay, electric vehicles. How much are these motors? I mean, if the electric vehicle themselves is costing you a small fortune for a small car, how much it is to replace a motor. I mean, things do go defective, and these electric cars really do not have that great of a warranty on them, at least from some of the things I've seen. I mean, there may be some good warranties out there, you know, as there's different models, on different manufacturers, but what's the warranty on these components? What are you warrantying the electric motor for? How long? How long is this motor going to last? And ultimately, how much is it going to cost someone like myself if all of a sudden this motor gets defective after the warranty period and starts working, or are you stranded? Are you suddenly going to be hit with, you know, a $5,000 component bill plus another couple grand just to install it? These are things that are not being addressed. These are things that the industry is not informing the consumers on. And then you have, you know, a lot of your uh, environmental, mainly Democrat people out there that are embracing these cars and, and just like the administra current administration in the government wants you to buy these cars. You know, by 2035, we're not going to have a choice. Where's it 2039? I think 2035. We're not going to have a choice. Okay, but what is it going to cost 
someone like myself, someone who is part of the lower working class. What is it going to cost? We already know how expensive the vehicles are. We already know that vehicles go up on average between twelve and $1,800 a year, each model year. What the hell are these components going to cost? Is someone like me going to be stranded with a car when it breaks down, especially that many people like myself would have to buy these things used because we can't afford the newer one? And while you may argue and say, oh yeah, well, there's going to be rebates. Yeah, you still got to be able to afford the original cost of the vehicle and be able to get approved for the financing. You know, someone like myself isn't going to easily get approved for financing for a $40,000, $50,000 electric vehicle because they're going to say that besides credit score, the payments, you know, versus the income that you take in. So many of us will have to buy these vehicles used, which are already going to have wear and tear on them. What is the life expectancy? Are we going to be stuck one day with a car that a component goes bad on and we honestly can't afford to fix it because you're looking at three or four months of pay in order to pay the repair bill. And meanwhile, we're still going to be making payments on these cars. It's a whole, it's completely fucked up, people. It really is. Nobody is looking at it from that perspective at all. You just have all the, you know, richy people out there that say, oh, these cars are affordable. Well, yeah, when you're making a lot of money a month, of course these cars are affordable. You, you have your politicians out there, especially the Democrats, saying, oh, you know, this is the future. This is what we have to do. Okay, but you're always looking out for the upper class and the middle class. You're never, ever looking out for the lower class. And, of course, that is a totally different debate out there, totally different rants. So back to the topic of discussion. Of course, since the 2015 Paris Accord Agreement, which Trump took us out of and, unfortunately, Biden put us back in, they want to reduce emissions. They want a target rate of 59 grams, I believe, of uh, CO2 from the average car emission to be achieved by the year 2030. And yes, they argue electric vehicles, of course, have hardly any emissions to them. And one of the main areas of debate on all these calculations center around how the calculation of emissions created during the production and charging of EVs. You know, that, that, that's not even taken into consideration with the Paris Accord, any of this. They're not taking this into consideration. They're just saying regular cars, bad, electric cars, good. And that's not true, people. Not at all. When it comes to traditional vehicles, gas and diesel powered vehicles, for years there have been programs into, in place as to how to recycle these vehicles, uh, retire these vehicles when these vehicles are in accidents and they get junked. There, there are certain procedures in regards to draining oil, draining gas, separating certain components, what gets recycled, what doesn't get recycled. And again, the industry and our wonderful federal government out there is not talking about the electric vehicles and all the harm they do. Unfortunately, these lithium-ion batteries that are used uh, currently for electric vehicles have an extreme environmental cost that nobody discusses out there, including our federal government, including our EPA. First of all, they contain rare earth material. Extracting and producing them can be water and electricity intensive processes that are involved. A lot of these components, um, like the, the minerals, the, the stuff that is used to create these components and create these batteries, first of all, are being mined in these third world countries where workers are paying shit, being paid shit. There's just no environmental safeguards in place for the workers, and for extracting these materials, which are an environmental hazard. 
China, for example, um, they manufacture a large share of the world's batteries and they rely heavily on coal. We don't see anybody going after them. No, we're going to go after the United States saying how we have to stop having electricity made by coal. We have to have wind and solar. We have to have electric cars. But yet nobody's going after China. Why? Because China is the one who makes the components. You know, in regards to regular manufacturing of cars, we have more efficient manufacturing techniques of traditional cars right now than previously. And regular cars are less, believe it or not, you may argue with this, they're less toxic than electric vehicles. For example, the car batteries that are in traditional cars, okay, they are ways of being disposed of and having things recycled. As a matter of fact, I am very big with buying recycled car batteries. There are places out there that instead of buying new car batteries, you can buy batteries that have been traded in because when you buy a car battery, you have a core charge. You have to bring back your old battery. That battery gets taken and recycled and repurposed and resold. And I buy into that because first of all, it's a lot cheaper. It's a lot cheaper for me to buy a $60 recycled version of that $120 battery for my car. And when it comes to batteries, there's a major question, as I said, on how do we deal when it comes to electric vehicles with the end of life of these huge batteries they have and their toxic waste. They're just barely starting to touch that topic and researching how do we go about recycling these huge batteries that are in these electric vehicles. And is there anything else we can do to recycle, you know, to repurpose them? There's no answers to that. So we're coming out with the technology. We're forcing the stuff down the American consumer's throat. But yet, there's no answers out there for what do we do when the car dies? We keep forcing the whole thing of um, when it comes to our electric power grids of decarbonizing them. We got to go to wind and solar. And we're pushing that because you need electricity to you know, recharge these vehicles. Okay, but again, these vehicles will eventually die, whether on their own naturally through wear and tear or due to an accident. Currently, electric cars get charged up on, you know, fueled up by the power grids, which, of course, most of which use fossil fuel. And there's a lot of arguments about that as well. I personally hate the fact that our federal government is going to be forcing electric companies that if you want to stay in business, you have to shut down your power plants and build new power plants that can use wind power and solar power, which, again, is another topic of discussion, another rant that I can do. Um, I'm just going to touch based on it for just a short period. But it's us, the consumer, that is paying for this. Electric's going to go extraordinary high because, first of all, there's going to be more of a demand with electric vehicles on the grid. And the fact that the electric companies are being forced to make new power plants. Somebody has to pay for that because after all, their shareholders still need to make money. It's going to be the consumer that's going to be paying out the ass for it. It will definitely, first of all, it costs you more now, I think, in comparison in regards to owning an electric vehicle, you know, in regards to charging how much electric you're using. It's going to cost even more in the future. And with electric cars, despite the fact, yes, there are not pollutants coming out of the tailpipe because there is no tailpipe, there is still emissions coming out of the power plant which, of course, the federal government, like I said, wants renewable energy. However, even with cleaner power grids, they're still going to rely somewhat on some form of fossil fuel during the dark doldrum periods where renewable sources are intermediate, where 
there isn't there's so much of a demand on our power grids that the wind and solar can't keep up with demand you there is no way that we can totally get rid of the traditional power plants and be able to survive there was a um, some research i did and there was a graph out there regarding um, co2 emissions um, like for example the average car uh, might put out I can't remember how they exactly figure it. I think it's like 250 grams of CO2 per whatever. And meanwhile, the average electric vehicle, for example, in Germany, there's a lot more electric vehicles. And in regards to the manufacturing process and in regards to the electricity that's being used to recharge these vehicles, you basically only go down, looking at the graph, maybe 75 grams, which really isn't a big big jump and of course on the graph they do show norway like norway yes there's a big difference 250 versus i think like 75 in norway but of course when when you're comparing a countries that are smaller where people don't travel as much you know longer distances there's no even justification there in in these graphs in the in these reports there's no apples for apples type of thing you're comparing apples and oranges they say the average electric vehicle in europe for example after about two years of driving the car, so they say, you know, a two over two year period, uh, electric vehicle in Europe produces fifty percent less emission. But again, in regards to power grids, it could be as little as twenty eight percent less emissions. So the source of energy that the electric vehicle uses is a key factor in regards to environmental impact. Yes, uh, electric cars, they say, convert about 77% of electrical energy from the power grids actually into, you know, engine power. But then take how many electric vehicles they plan on having in the United States, for example, by, you know, the year 2030, 2035, when that's all that's going to be available out there. And look at the demand there's going to be on the power grids. We all saw in the United States the stories um, 2020, 2021, Uh, For example, Texas, places like that, that were hit with extreme cold temperatures and places in the country that were hit with, you know, really bad storms and the demand on the power grid because people were home, you know, electric heat, things like that. And the fact that businesses and stores, malls, places that were closed because of these storms still needed to provide heat to these buildings. The demand on the power grid, it, it just failed in Texas. You had major, major brownouts and blackouts in Texas. People without power because the power grids in this country, and this is with all the electric plants we have producing regular electricity through coal or oil, plus the wind and solar, could not keep up with the demand just in that one area. Imagine the whole country when there's nothing but electric vehicles. How many brownouts do you think you're going to see? How many power outages you think you're going to see because we cannot produce enough electricity to support the elect- all these electric vehicles. We barely have enough electricity to support day-to-day functions. That's why when there is a bad storm, everything goes into chaos because there just is not enough electrical production out there in the power grid. And then adding these electric cars onto it just creates more of a demand, more of a strain on the power grids. Nobody's discussing that. The federal government is not discussing that. President Jump and Joe Magoo is not discussing that. But yet they keep pushing 
the whole need for these electric vehicles. The best way to compare it is the whole, let's just say, the, for example, hot dogs versus a pack of hot dog buns. The fact that the difference between a pack of hot dogs and a pack of hot dog buns, there isn't enough buns in a pack. I believe it's uh, 10 hot dogs that are in a pack of hot dogs, but eight in a pack of hot dog buns. That's the best way to compare it. You're going to have more cars out there than you have electric that's available to support those vehicles. And there's some arguments in regards to electric vehicles, in regards to acceleration and torque. A lot of your more affordable, really small electric cars don't have a heck of a lot of power. They're basically just as bad or maybe just a little bit quicker than their gas counterparts. You know, take something like a Chevy Spark, for example doesn't have much of an acceleration. There's hardly any torque there for power. The electric versions isn't much better. But everybody always brings up Tesla. The government, everybody always talks about Tesla. Yes, Tesla has a car with a lot of torque. It's the, and one thing they bring up in comparison is the Tesla P100D. It has great acceleration. It's quieter, a smoother drive. It's got lots of torque. Yes, it's also an electric car that costs over $100,000. And you're trying to use that in comparison. Why don't you take a more realistic electric vehicle and compare it against a gasoline counterpart? You're going to discover there's a big difference in torque, which brings apart, uh, around another thing as well. Um, just going by our American way of life and our American way of recreation and vacationing, it's great they want to come out with electric pickup trucks and it has torque and that. Until you have to go tow that trailer. Until you're the farmer that has to go tow your horses, horses to an auction or to a show. Until you're that family that has that pull-on camper. You hook that up to your electric vehicle, guess what? There's a hell of a lot more strain on the electrical components that unlike electrical components and transmissions that are designed for a certain percentage of torque and they say how much towing capability you have because it is designed to be able to handle pulling that much weight. An electrical vehicle does not have that at all. They could say that you can tow up to so much. Problem is, electric vehicles depend a lot upon environmental issues like the outside temperature effects, the battery and uh, the engine, excuse me, the electrical motor's capability of pulling things. The weight of what you're pulling puts more strain on the electrical components that are actually not designed when it comes to that, when it comes to that much torque. You're going to short-live these electrical components. You're going to strain the hell out of them. And you're definitely not going to have enough pickup and power going over hills and that on our American highways when you're pulling things like trailers or little RVs. They are insisting, when, it, when you compare pros and con uh, type of websites out there, a lot of these pro and con websites are actually backed or made by industries and organizations that really support electric vehicles, you know, tree hugging, all that stuff. They, they support it more than anything else. So all the pros they put really are not realistic. They're, they're very argumentative. Like I've seen some of these sites that say that they, you have fewer breakdowns and a longer life cycle of electrical components. Bullshit. Anybody that owns anything electric, uh, the, these more sophisticated refrigerators and dishwashers, I have seen more stories, more articles, and I've experienced it myself with more things breaking down because they've gotten more sophisticated with electronics, more computerized, you know, refrigerators with all these sensors and everything else that is supposed to be great. I've had to go and repair, actually replace main control board 
on a fridge that's just a couple years old. The same thing in regards to um, even the washers and dryers. You know, the, all these settings, all these sensors and everything, and they're supposed to be better. You know, the, the motors are supposed to last so long on a Samsung or LG, let's just say a washer, which is great. The motor is designed, okay, fine. But yet the electric components, I have replaced so much stuff in a short period of time on a lot of these things. And they are less sophisticated in design than a car is. There is no one out there that can convince me that an electrical vehicle is going to have fewer breakdowns and is going to last longer. That is complete bullshit. You're looking at something that when you compare it to a gasoline engine, for example, yes, there is wear internally on a gasoline engine and is basically a predictable and estimated, you know, factual wear. You know, they, they, they know how long these components are going to last, you know, because of how the movement inside internally in a gasoline or a diesel engine. And it is designed to perform a certain way. That's why cars, gasoline cars, last a hell of a lot longer than engines they made in the 70s. You know, if your car made it to 100,000 miles with your transmission and your engine, you're lucky. I'll use in comparison, I had a 2005 Honda Pilot. It had all the wonderful goodies in it. This thing finally died a couple months ago with 347,000 miles on the original engine, the original transmission. We had only a year ago replaced the original alternator on it. Still had the original power steering that was just starting to do some whining on it. Still had the original starter, and this vehicle kept going. Compare that to an electric vehicle. Show me the statistics. Show me the factual information. That if I buy an electric vehicle, I'm not throwing it away in three or four years or six years. That if I want to keep that car 10 years or 15 years, it's going to last. You know, that down the road with age, maybe, you might have to replace some of these components. You show me factual information, proven, test information in the real world environment. Not on a test strip on the Bonneville Salt Flats. Not in a controlled and flat environment. Show me real-life factual information with a car, with a family, you know, taking trips, things like that, and all different types of weather environments. You show me that this electric car will last an estimated certain period of time, and you can't. No one in the industry has that information available. Research it yourself in regards to all these websites about all these electric vehicles. None of them have information saying, how long is this going to last? They have estimated information on how long the batteries are going to last. That's great. That's wonderful. Because, yes, you've taken information some over time. Because places like people like Toyota, for example, have had electric vehicles, well, hybrid electric vehicles. So you're using that information. These electric vehicles themselves haven't been tested that long. Tesla has not been testing a vehicle for the last 10 years. They haven't. You're just taking a, a best educated guess on how long these things are going to last. And like I said again, the electric motors. What the hell is the life expectancy on it? There's already tons of studies out there from independent things. Magazines like Road and Track and Car and Driver who go and do these tests that the manufacturers themselves aren't doing. And they're doing the reports showing how, you know, they drive it in Maine, they drive it in Canada during cold weather. And, oh, look, surprise, surprise. The, the performance of the, of the vehicle degrades terribly, which also affects the life expectancy. It's a battery, people. Just like a battery you put in a flashlight, the thing degrades over time. 
even without it being used, a battery still degrades over time. You cannot sit there and tell me all these sites that are pushing uh, mossyearth.com, like all, stuff, all, these, all these sites have all these pros about these electric vehicles that is all horseshit sitting there saying, expect fewer breakdowns and a longer life cycle. It is complete bullshit. You're relying on a vehicle that is completely electric. Unlike a gasoline engine, okay, there are so many environmental factors that will affect electrical components. We all know that. Why don't you take the car to the Midwest, take it out here to Pennsylvania when we have flooding on the roads, when roads are starting to slightly flood. What, how will that affect the vehicle? You're trying to, you know, evacuate from a flooded area. Is your car suddenly going to break down somewhere down the road because, you know, some water somehow, there might have been a, a slight little structural crack somewhere and water got in. How is this going to affect your vehicle? And there's no data out there. They are not providing the consumer with the data. Just like charging stations. They're saying the charging stations are cheaper to charge your vehicle than putting gasoline in. Ah, uh, not so. A lot of magazines, car magazines that have done reports. They, they've done uh, road and track and car driver, for example. Every year they take a whole bunch of cars and they do these trips. Let's just say 2,500 miles, whatever. It's something they do annually that they've been doing for years. And they've most recently included, you know, hybrid electric vehicles and they've included electric vehicles. And uh, both magazines, I, I've read articles on trips they have done with the electric vehicles. Uh, the one was saying how <laughs> this whole trip that they normally do in an electric vehicle actually took them, I don't know if it was a day longer or two days longer because of the fact that they had uh, recharging the vehicle and the range you know, the car is saying, okay, yeah, you have so far of a range left to go. And then the terrain that they were going on, the part of the countries they were going on, put more stress on the electrical motors. It ran through the electricity even quicker, the, the battery power even quicker, that um, on the one story, they had to stop somewhere because they weren't going to make it to the next charging station. And the hotel, the place they stood out, um, actually like gave them extension cords so they could try charging the vehicle through a regular outlet to give them enough charge the next morning and charge like all night to give them enough charge to go like 15 miles or something to the next actual charging station again it's all bullshit it's stuff that they're throwing down our throats saying that it's cheaper it's not cheaper when you go to a charging station first of all you are at the whim just like going to an atm some places might charge you a two dollar fee some might charge you a four dollar fee to take out your money these charging stations are the same way they are put into place for the owner of them to make money. Not as a convenience for you. First of all, these charging stations, some of these things are like $30,000 for a charging station, I've been reading. They need to recoup that money because they're paying for the electricity. They are not charging you the same $0.06, cents, $0.08, cents, $0.10 cents per kilowatt that you would be paying you know, at home or maybe more. I don't know what your electric rate is. They're charging you a hell of a lot more than that. Because first of all, you're going to be there for a short period of time. Nobody's going to keep their car hooked up to one of these charging stations along the way for three, four, five hours to completely charge their vehicle. They wind up sticking them on there for a half hour, maybe an hour, which is, of course, also a big inconvenience to your traveling because it does take you longer to make that trip, to, to, to go visit grandma for the holidays, things like that. They're looking to make money, these charging stations. You cannot sit me and sit down and tell me it's costing less to charge your vehicle 
than it is to put gas in. When I put gas in my vehicle, I know how far the range is. And generally, regardless of the terrain, believe it or not, your miles per gallon average doesn't fluctuate that heck of a lot. It really doesn't, as compared to the mileage capability of an electric vehicle. Driving a gasoline vehicle, it actually doesn't matter whether it is 20 degrees outside or it's 80 degrees outside. That engine basically performs the same exact way. Electric vehicles are different. The extreme temperatures affect it, extreme hot affects it, and it also affects how long it takes to charge and how much charge you are getting out of your battery. Again, information that is in none of the brochures that the companies have regarding electric vehicles. Until so you go and do the research that actual magazines have done, you discover things like, for example, the way these things are designed, because these batteries do get hotter than shit when they are charging up. It's just like if you try quick charging a battery in your car. Batteries get warm when you're charging them, especially if you're quick charging them. And the same thing takes place with the actual battery charging stations or the units for your home. Because again, there's different models, which also cost a heck of a lot of money. You know, you can plug it into a regular 110 outlet or on a Tesla, is it 400 amp or something? The amount of electricity, how warm the electric lines are going into your house to this charging station you have in your garage to hook up to your car is incredible. The amount of energy, uh, electromagnetic energy, the heat that that produces, and then you are quickly charging your battery, which gets hotter than hell. The whole bottom of your car is a battery. And these articles, again, not the information from the manufacturers, but the articles that have been written that tested this and has shown that, for example, and when the temperatures are warm outside and you're trying to charge your battery up on one of these things, it actually takes longer. You get less of a charge because the battery cuts back the power so it doesn't basically blow up your battery from heat. It has to try cooling the system down. And the reverse happens in the wintertime. Once the temperature drops to a certain range, unless you have a great heated garage, once the temperature reaches a certain uh, range, you know, whatever, let's just say 30 degrees, things like that, because your battery is so cold, it actually has to use electrical energy from the battery, even though your car is not on, to heat up the battery so the battery doesn't freeze so it can try recharging the battery, which also takes it longer to charge. You're not getting as much of a charge, you know, for that 30 minutes or hour or whatever. So you're not getting as much of a range. They're not saying this to the public. In the actual literature from the manufacturers, the federal government, the EPA, nobody's telling you this information properly. And so you research it yourself and discover that there are outside sources that have done tests and have discovered this. Now you get people that argue about the charging times. Yes, Tesla has slashed charging times at 30 minutes with their innovative superchargers. But as I said, the amount of electricity, yes, it's shorter time. And people are like, oh, well, 30 minutes, I'm using electricity. No bullshit. You've got like a 400 and something volt or amp, whatever it is, system trying to charge your battery as opposed to a regular 110 voltage. You're using four times the amount of electricity. You're still paying for it out the yin-yang. Charging up from a 110 versus charging up at something that's four times more voltage, you're using four times the electricity. Yeah, okay, you're only charging for 30 minutes, but it's still going to cost you as much as if you plugged into a regular 110 outlet. And we're also talking, once again, Tesla, whose chargers, again, the, in the industry, first of all, nothing is compatible. Their chargers are designed just for their cars. 
and as if you can afford one of these superchargers because I've gone online and tried pricing what it would cost for one of these great superchargers for your home. It's ridiculous. So first of all, you have to be rich enough to be able to buy the car, you know, to afford the payments. And then, of course, you'll get the government, you know, rebates because you bought this expensive-ass car. But you got to be able to afford the electricity for it, afford the price of the charging station, and for the electrician to come in and rewire everything because of the fact that there is so much electricity. And the other thing that people haven't realized that the, that the manufacturers don't tell you, but I am, research it yourself through the American um, Insurance Institutes, car insurance for electric vehicles can cost up to 20% more or even higher because of the fact that electric cars are more prone to being completely totaled out in an accident because of the fact the whole bottom of the car is a battery. You get, you know, somebody T-bones you, anything, you know, you have to watch because certain accidents will make your car crap, basically. So car insurance costs more and home insurance, they estimate that home insurance is going to basically start updating things in regards to how they calculate policies. And one of the primary things is going to be, do you have one of these charging stations in your home? If you do, your house insurance will cost more. Why? Because they are such a fire risk because of how much intense electricity, how much heat is being generated on them. You have a garage you know, attached to your house. You have this thing mounted on the wall. There's more of a fire risk involved. So homeowner insurance will also go up as well. They say how in regards to range that that, you know, single charge lasts 115 miles for most electric vehicles. You know, that's really crap. It, it really is. For example, talk to that person that lives in California. Do you ever travel through California? There are people that travel so many miles just to get to work because maybe they work in L.A., but they, you know, they live, you know, northern California more. California is a big-ass state. You're not going to make it on that single charge. You're just not. Just like taking a trip. Okay, you can make it 115 miles. When I go on vacation, I'm, what, four and a half miles away, uh, hours away, five hours away. If I had an electric vehicle, do you know how many times I would have to stop and pay to recharge my car? As opposed to right now, I fill up my, you know, I fill up my vehicle once. Um, I basically make it, I believe, all the way down there, but not so with an electric vehicle. 115 miles, I mean, I would have to, I guess, stop three times maybe to, uh, recharge my vehicle, and we're not talking no 15-minute, half-hour, unless you have one of those wonderful Teslas. No, you're sitting there for at least an hour so you can charge up enough to get to the next charging station. So now my four- to five-hour trip on vacation now takes me six or seven hours, just like it did with the people with road and track or car and driver that had to, you know, have to make an unexpected stop at once or twice to hotels that they weren't planning on because of having to recharge the vehicle because of the range. You know, some of these vehicles that they're coming out with, Mini Cooper, I think, I, it, I think it's like 90 miles or something you get on a charge. Come live in a rural area. Come up, come up to rural Pennsylvania where sometimes, you know, you're driving an hour or so just to get to an appointment, to, to get somewhere that you have to be. And now you've used at least half of your uh, electric charge, if not more, in your batteries. And then, of course, you have to hope and pray there's a charging station in the area where your appointment or whatever, your job interview, wherever, 
is. I mean, people around here, there are people that work an hour and a half away even. What are you supposed to do? And there's nothing that says, for example, your employers. Nothing says your employers have to put charging stations up, especially the fact that there is no universal charging hookup for electric vehicles. That's another area where our government totally fucking failed on that. Not having a universal type of thing that everybody's plugs have to be the same. It's not like that. A Nissan Leaf can't charge at a Tesla station. Tesla can't charge at a charging station for, was it, the Chevy Spark. They're different type of outlets. So imagine a company, how much money a company has to invest. First of all, there's nothing that says a company has to put charging stations for their employees. That's the best part. You go to work and maybe you might not make it home from work. You've got to stop along the way to sit there for a half hour, an hour, whatever it is, to charge up your vehicle so you can get home. Same thing with hotels. Can you imagine hotels having, because in the future, they're going to have to put in a charging station for every single goddamn parking space at, you know, anywhere from $20,000, $30,000 a piece. Who's going to pay for that? The consumer. The rates for rooms, of course, are going to go up. And think about what they're going to charge you to charge your vehicle. They already charge you a fortune for that little bottle of alcohol in a minibar. You know, don't order room service. Good God. Yeah, you want that slice of pizza? Six dollars. You know, that type of thing. Can you imagine what they would charge you to charge up your vehicle at a hotel? And again, there's nothing says that they're required to put charging stations. you got to figure it out yourself. You know, they don't put gas pumps at. Your company doesn't put a gas pump in for you to refuel your car. Hotel doesn't have a gas station on premise to, you know, refuel your car. Nothing says they have to put a charging station in. So again, you're going to be SOL. It's not like these little countries out there. You know, all these little countries that are really big into the electric vehicles. Yeah, people don't travel far. Come to the United States, buddy. Tra- live in the United States and see how far you have to travel for things. And the other thing, uh, when it comes to pros and cons, of course, the because the bottom of the vehicle is basically your battery and that represents your range. That's why something like a Cooper Mini doesn't have as much of a long range as some of the Teslas or some of these SUVs they're coming out with. The, of course, these batteries are heavier the bigger they are, and they produce um, higher emission levels in the course of their production than a regular standard vehicle does. But again, nobody's talking about that. And we always talk about natural resources. You know, that's why we want to get rid of uh, fossil fuels. Long before they were talking about um, the whole thing with climate change. We have to decrease fossil fuels because we're using our natural resources. Hi, what the fuck do you think the materials are that go into these batteries? They're rare earth elements. You know, you're looking at stuff that's rarer than some of the stuff we use for regular cars right now. We actually don't know how much natural resources we have in regards to lithium ion. And that's actually why several years ago, replacement batteries for cell phones went up outrageously in price. It's because it's not even, it's, you know, even the prices of the phones, it's because of the price of the batteries, because um, this whole thing with these uh, minerals that are used are only found in certain places on Earth. And we honestly don't know how much of it's out there. So you're actually depleting a natural resource yet again because you're trying to stop depleting a nat- another resource like oil. And the wonderful President Magoo administration there. You know, talk about infrastructure. Okay, well, I, I, I want to know the answer to this question. Who provides electricity for these charging units in the city? For example, go to New York City. You have more apartment complexes than anything else. 
You know, you can have an apartment complex, 20 floors, 30 floors. You know, you could have, I don't know, let's just say 3,000 units or whatever. These people that own cars, and not, yes, not everyone that lives in New York City owns a car, but where do they charge their cars? How the hell do they charge their cars? Because you have public parking on streets and something, even in the Bronx now where there's apartment buildings and housing complexes, you know, where do you charge your car? How are you supposed to charge your car? What do you buy thousands of feet of, uh, of power cords and just drape them out your window and down across the sidewalks? That's another thing they haven't considered is how people who live in apartment buildings are supposed to charge their cars because, you know, parking is chaotic in a neighborhood as it is because there aren't enough parking spaces on the streets in a lot of these neighborhoods. I know that myself from growing up in the Bronx. It was a regular fucking fiasco sometimes, especially around the holidays when people were visiting people. How are you supposed to charge your car? Where are you supposed to charge your car? So when you get done with work or something, you come home, you maybe you work in Long Island or something, and you drive all the way, you drive all the way back home. You know, you live in an apartment building or a condo or co-op, and now you have to go drive somewhere to charge your car for an, a couple hours and then drive back home. Nobody's thought of that at all. For example, one of the most, the cheapest um, electric vehicle out there, it's not available in the United States, you can get it like in the UK, the Renault uh, Zoe, is in comparison, when you compare it uh, US dollars and you convert it, it is $29,000 with the government incentives. Um, now, it's not available here. I'm talking about the incentives that are available in the UK. So imagine that, with incentives, it's almost $30,000. For a car that is so small, it isn't funny. How are you supposed to survive? I don't, I, like, our whole way of life is going to change thanks to these yam bags out there that are pushing for this stuff. You know, picture it. A future of, you only go on trips if you're rich. If you're upper class or you're middle class. Those are the only people that are going to go on trips and visit relatives, go on vacations, things like that. Regular working class people like myself, no, you're not going to be able to go anywhere because A, the car payments are going to cost you a fortune. For a car that's so small, you can't even go anywhere with your family because you're lucky if you can fit three bags of groceries in it. This is the future that we're looking at. This is what nobody's addressing. Wake the fuck up, people. Seriously, just don't sit there and be one of those fucking sheep that are just taking everything for fucking face value that the administration is telling you. And that the industry is telling you, fucking think for yourselves for a goddamn change. Don't give into this shit. Nobody, nobody's speaking outrage about the fact that we're going to be forced to buy electric cars. Nobody is. The only group I've seen that's actually spoken out against it, and I've done a rant on this, is uh, the organizations that are involved with uh, Americans with disabilities. Because of the fact that, as I said in that rant, None of these vehicles are designed for people with disabilities. You can't have like the lifts and the ramps and everything on them because the whole bottom of the car and the vehicle is a battery. So you can't cut into the chassis like you do currently so that people with certain disabilities can actually get in and out of the vehicles. That's the only group speaking outrage on it. And it's falling on deaf ears because President Magoo, for those of you who don't know, I mean President Biden, okay? Wake the fuck up and listen to my goddamn rants already. You'll know who I'm talking about. The administration is falling on deaf ears. They don't give a shit. They don't give a shit about the lower working class people. 
They don't give a shit about the people that can't run out and buy these fucking expensive electric cars. Great, they want to offer incentives. So somebody with money, somebody making dollars $90,000 a year that can afford the payments on one of these vehicles can run out and buy one of these cars and get a 12, up to a $12,000 rebate because I guess apparently they fucking deserve it. But us lower working class people who can't afford to buy these cars, we're shit out of luck. Wonderful. None of them. None of these electric vehicles are literally worth the fuck. The Nissan Leaf. Um, well, we don't have the Renault Zoe's here. The Hyundai, uh, Hyundai uh, Kona. Um, the Kia e-Niro. Um, the BMW i3, which is not affordable. Uh, Jaguar has them. They're not affordable. Audi has them. They're not affordable. Uh, the Kia Solo has an EV one. But look at the prices. Look at the range. Why aren't we emphasizing um, hybrid electric vehicles or even the plug-in hybrid electric vehicles? Why aren't we emphasizing them? Why, why has our government, government basically shit on us and, and totally disregarded those technologies? Why don't we improve their tech, those technologies? You know, hybrid electric, they regenerate themselves. Why do we have to have an electric vehicle that does not regenerate the power at all? Why? Why are we being pushed towards that? Now, granted, hybrid electrics only work at low speeds. A lot of people don't realize that either, that they only work at speeds under, say, like 40 miles an hour. Okay, improve the technology. So maybe you can use them at highway speed. Prove the technology. You know, they're hybrid. They'll regenerate. They'll convert to gas when the electric power runs low. And then meanwhile, it's regenerating itself. Why don't we go towards that? Or like I said, even the plug-in electric, that they regenerate themselves. They're like regular hybrid vehicles, but you can also plug them in to um, help recharge it. Why do we have to have completely electric vehicles? It makes no sense. The emissions from hybrid electric and plug-in hybrid electric have lowered. There's better fuel economy in them. So why aren't we relying on that? It makes no sense. Makes you wonder sometimes, you know, whose hands are in whose pocket and, and that who owes who favors in our government. You know, people hated Trump. Trump came right out in the debates and everything and said, yes, he likes electric vehicles too. But he came right out and said, we need to make the technology more affordable, which we can't because unfortunately prices of vehicles never come down. Why? Because of the UAW, the United Auto Workers Union. Their contracts, they always are going to get raises. Who pays for these increased pays every pay scales every year? The consumer does because the corporate paid them. They pass that on to the consumer. So unfortunately, as much as they want to sit there and say, well, the price of vehicles will come down as the technology improves and as more people buy them, it's bullshit because unless you're going to tell these union workers, hey, guess what? Which, by the way, uh, when you research it, you'll discover how a lot of these jobs like start out like 20 bucks, 20 something bucks an hour, not to do much. Okay. The most piddly jobs out there start out at that. I think unless you're going to sit there and say, well, you're locked into that pay scale for a couple of years before you get a raise. Unless you do that, prices are still going to increase. Wake the hell up people. This is not the future. It really isn't. They're painting this big, rosy, freaking picture of a future with electric vehicles that is just not going to come to be. 
And by the way, as a first responder, let me tell you something else they don't tell the American fucking public at all about these electric vehicles. They are more dangerous in a freaking crash than a regular gasoline vehicle are. They really are, because you're dealing with electrical components that are like the old flashbulbs. If you're old enough to remember the little flashbulbs that were on cameras, once they're charged, they're completely charged up. That accident happens, all those wires, everything running through that vehicle is completely charged with all that wattage, all of it. And for God's sake, don't have an accident and have a whole shitload of water. Can you imagine that? The water touching these components that are charged, fully charged, and take a while to dissipate the electricity? You're going to wind up freaking electrocuting people to death. Don't roll your car over. You've got this heavy-ass battery now that's on top of you. And which, by the way, as a first responder, electric vehicles, there's even less sections that we can cut into. Airbags already limit the amount of areas we can cut into a car to save your ass. Electric vehicles, because of the wiring and the batteries, there's even less sections that we can safely cut into that does not put your life and our lives into danger in order to try getting you out of the vehicle. But, the industry and the government doesn't tell you that. These vehicles are not 100% safe, people. No vehicle is. Plenty of news stories out there. Plenty of vehicles that show batteries exploding, catching fire. Things happening after accidents with electric vehicles catching fire. This is the factual information that they are not providing to consumers. They're just putting false things out there, giving you false hope that this is the future and it's safe. It isn't, people. Remember, it's still a car. Cars in general, any type of moving object that has speed to it. I don't care if it's a car, a motorcycle, a train. Anything that has a speed to it, that moves at a velocity, is not safe. You can have an accident. There will be consequences. And unfortunately, electrical vehicles have more consequences to them. And on a little side note, which I may have done in a rant previously, I might as well throw this in. The fact that, again, coming as a first responder, that these, some, a lot of these electric vehicles are dangerous in a house fire. First of all, you have a fire in your house and your vehicle is in the garage. Just wait and see what happens when fire gets to those lithium-ion batteries. Don't believe me? Take a lithium-ion battery from your cell phone and throw it in a, in a fire and see what happens. It's quite interesting. But not only that, take something like a Tesla that has reverse charging technology built into its chargers. You don't know what I mean? Look it up. The way their car and their charging system operates, when you have a power outage in your home, it is capable for your home to draw power through the electric grid panel that's in your house from the car right back in to provide electricity. Why is that bad, you say? Well, you have a house fire. You call it in. One of the first things that happens is if it's a bad fire, the electric company gets called to shut power off to your house. They can remotely do that. Disconnect the power going to your house. Problem is, we don't know you have a Tesla sitting inside your garage that is hooked in to your electric in your house. When the power goes out, the power from the batteries of your Tesla get routed into the electrical panel, making it one hell of a big electrical hazard when we start dousing your house with water because it's on fire. Those lines are now charged. Even if the circuit breakers were to pop, because of the water, the lights in your house, there's still electricity, a lot of it, being stored in that panel, which can kill us. 
which can kill you. Imagine that. One more thing that they are not telling the consumer whatsoever. So wake up, people. Really, challenge your government. Challenge this damn administration. Call your congressman. Call call these people up and say, no, we need to rethink all this. Do yourself a favor. Do your kids a favor. Do the future a favor. And tell them to rethink all this because they're going about it the wrong way. They're jumping into this thing headfirst without actually looking at all the facts. I, my friends, am Frank the Lunatic. And of course, as always, I approve this message. And for now, that is all I have to say about that. Oh, thank you. Ha, ha, ha.